good. Welcome, everyone, to another digital meetup. Um, we always forget the number, don't we? We keep saying we're going to do this number thing and like figure out what number it is, and then we never do it. I mean, according to Crowdcast, this is number 72, but we start, Bryce reminded us we started these meetups in Zoom until we got Zoom bombed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Look at and these wonderful people here. Jesse's here, Josette's here, Janice is here. Janice, congratulations on the Boston Marathon. I saw a picture of you. Um, Amazing. Awesome job. I'm not sure if you really did it or if that was just a picture, but we'll assume that you actually uh, will assume. She totally did it. And then she came back and ate um, all the food. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was at the dessert bar yesterday. Holly, yeah. Madan, Tom, thank you all. Barb, thank you all for being here. Um, wow, Bryce is calling out your no sleeves or he yeah. has no or he has no sleeves on. Um, this will... You know, this is this happens in October, January. It doesn't even matter what the date is. This is this is the no sleeves is the way to go. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, he everyone, hello, say hi. Let us know where you're joining from, or excuse me, where you are today. That would be great. As the world of digital nomad seems to be growing, yeah, um, we can't remember uh, where everyone's at. Jennifer, hi from Rochester. It's a nice day in Rochester. I'm sure it's still. Sunny here in Minneapolis as of right now. It's gorgeous. Uh, uh, yeah, it is gorgeous out today. Uh, Holly, I'm not coming to Asheville anytime soon, but I'm trying. Uh, Charm City in the crowd cast. Torrens here. Hey, Torrens. Dude, Torrens here. What the Torrens. heck? <laughs> no pressure, right? Uh, Josette is in Houston, Motown, Asheville, Salt Lake, 42. Wow. Um, Denver. Denver. It's not 303. That's the area code, Jess. <laughs> uh, I wonder, if, should we bring Torin on? I'd love to say hi to Torin. Uh, I'm going to invite him. And if he doesn't want to, he can just decline. If he yes. doesn't, if, he, if he's not good. Once again, very unscripted of us, right? Right. Um, totally. Luann, how are you? Green in, in Chicago land. Awesome. Cincinnati, rainy. Tracy, you seem like in a good mood, though, so that's a good thing, even though it's raining out. Um, Torrin's accepting, Jess. Mm -hmm. Tell everyone about Torrin. Uh, what is there to say about Torrin other than, okay, whoever did Torrin's recent headshots, man, I can't even. They're so cool-ass cool. -ass cool. <laughs> wow, where did you see them? I don't even know where I saw them. I, you know, the, all the platforms run together. <laughs> Probably like TikTok or no. Does it surprise you that I'm not on TikTok? Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat either. Huh. So it was either Instagram or LinkedIn. I oh, think the number one platform. I this is going to shock you, Jason. The platform I use the most, that I spend the most time on, is LinkedIn. It's not. Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That yeah. doesn't surprise me. And I don't know if I've curated this, it's my own experience to be better, and and so my impression of it is better. Or if LinkedIn is just getting better, I find it to be more valuable than I did in years past. Albany's here, and Albany is in uh, Denver. It's forty six degrees, uh, forty nine in Canton. What the heck? 81 and making. Wow. Oh, there he is. The man. What's happening? How are 
you, Torin. Let me tell you, I, I was like flooring it on 695 here in Baltimore in the buggy. I was like, I got to get back to the office. I got to get on this week's Crowdcast with Jason and Jess and oh. everything is good. And Jess, you probably saw it on uh, LinkedIn, yeah. but I did. I dropped the headshot, Jason. I dropped the new one. Like this joint was so incognito and beautiful. Um, so I dropped them. I probably took those images three, four months ago, but I was sitting on them for a while. I, oh. I didn't want to share them with anyone. I was just like trying to keep them. You're just well, waiting. Dude, just, the fact that, just the fact that you're say, you're so flipping cool. Just the fact that you're saying you dropped your headshot. Like I would say I posted my new picture. You're like, hey, I dropped the headshot. Yeah. Like, would only have a certain number of NFTs available of that headshot. <laughs> Come on, listen. You you have to be your biggest fan. Um, and, That's right. <laughs> Perfect. And and listen. And, and let me tell you something. And and I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I saw a young lady on Instagram, um, white woman. I don't, and I call her woman because I don't know how old she is. So she's got probably like three million followers. Uh, conversation is some would say real hood street so her language her cadence mm -hmm. she's like a i'm trying to do this in a way that is fair eminem vanilla ice like Ooh. so she's cool she's cool okay. so i said I, I said to myself i have to be my biggest fan like i'm black every day 24 hours out of the day all of my life and i only i, I mean if i get like 50 likes on a picture i'm doing all right so <laughs> Trust me, I'm gonna be my biggest fan, Jason, all the time. No, I like it. And Albany here said drop headshot. She's gonna use that phrase now. That's it. That's it. Hey, so listen, I, I don't wanna in, in any way monopolize not another second of what's gonna be an incredible conversation. So what's on tap for today? What we what are we going to experience? Oh my well, we're God. gonna talk about acronyms. So Holly just said IKR Torin. What's IKR. IKR. I know right. I know right. Oh, see, this is why we need you, right? I oh, can't. Man. I don't know this shit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my kids. The latest one for my kids is AFK. AFK. Keyboard. They're they're little gamers. My three girls. I don't, I don't are know what AFK means. Away from keyboard. So away instead, keyboard. like I might say BRB, right? Be right back. They're yeah. AFK. Away from keyboard. Like I'll be right back. See, my that, favorite that, new one for my my favorite new one for my kids is POS. Uh, we is it the POS we think it is, Jason? I don't know. What do you think it? I like hope he's not calling you is a it, piece of. No. Especially, it's especially, do you allow your children to cuss in front of you? Uh, I do, but that's not what they're talking about. Really? What? Okay. POS. What are they saying? Parent over shoulder. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> parent over shoulder. See, Holly got it. Parent over shoulder. Parent over shoulder. And, and Marissa <laughs> said point of sale. <laughs> <laughs> so I hey, uh, I was going where I was going. <laughs> today we're talking about signals. So you, this would relate to I actually want to hear it from Torin on this one. Yeah, people always say, so how do you know where the world's going? How do you predict the future? How can you do any of that? And I, you know, I always say I'm always looking for signals, you know, and signals come in lots of different ways. Um, you know, you can go into a retail store and see no one working, or you can see the fact that they're only open for one shift a day. That's a signal. 
um, you know, you look on Twitter and see that hospital systems are closing because there's no staff. That's a signal. Um, you see prices rising of certain things. That's a signal. Uh, you go to HR tech and you see AI on every single booth. You know, that's a signal. Or you see, you know, you see various things. So, like, that's what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about signals and what signals people are seeing, um, you know, in the world right now. And I'd love um, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to anyway. Like, you know, is there any, you're even driving, like, is there anything that you, did you look at signals? Because I think signals are so important. Yeah, I see signals all the time. I see signals of folks from January 6th not being held accountable. Mm. I see signals of us allowing people from Haiti to be sent back at rates far greater than we are sending back immigrants and others from other countries. I see signals of black and brown babies still in cages down in Texas. I see tons and tons of signals of organizations suggesting that diversity and inclusion is important. Yet when you go into these organizations, they're doing every single thing that they can to not acknowledge equity for women, to not acknowledge presence of, uh, of the microaggressions and the bias and the experiences of others. So I see a ton of signals. Mm -hmm. I have a very good friend in New York City who says, we're either in a problem, coming out of a problem, or approaching a problem. That's the cycle of life. You're in a problem, coming out of a problem, or you are approaching a problem. That's the cycle of mm -hmm. life. And so, you, Jason, I mean, you and Jess are right on. There are tons and tons of signals. And the last thing that I'll say about that is I don't know if any of us are strong enough to, to prevent these signals from happening, nor if we should. I think, again, part of being here is for us to experience this thing called life in its various form and multiplicity and all of that. But what I think is, for me, the guiding principle is love. And, and so whenever I'm showing up, I'm always trying to show up with a high degree of love, a deference to love, a deference to whomever it is that I'm in front of, just Jason and so many others, that you are here out of love. Um, and I give you the benefit of the doubt until you show me that I shouldn't. And once you show me that I shouldn't, trust me, I'm going to give you this wrath in, in any and every way that I possibly can. Mm hmm yeah, no, I love that. And those signals, I mean, those things that you just said are so, so true. And, you know, one of the things and I, you know, that I want to hear from our audience today, and I'll check you out video so you don't have all the pressure on you, even though everyone's looking at those glasses behind you wondering what's going on. Um, one of them is, came from you. <laughs> yeah, the, the, orange, the orange ones came from you. Yep. Uh, the green ones came from my speaking at Transform a couple of years ago, and uh, the guy is on, e he's on Twitter as Equal Man, E-Q-U-A-L -E Man. I think his name is Eric Qualman. He goes by Equal Man on Twitter. And then the black ones, I can't remember where I got them from, but you see that they're sitting on top of books. And for me, it's just a signal when people are looking over my shoulder, you know, I like to play chess, and I'm going to play chess with you when we're in our engagements. Mm -hmm. But I'm a reader. You know, I'm a person who makes sure that I study to show myself approved. So I'm sorry I cut you off, Jason. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, we're going to talk to the audience about signals that they're seeing. But those signals that you're seeing are, are, are so true. And one of the things we're going to talk about is what do you do when you see signals? And I would love, you know, just a, you know, anything that you might, you know, do you act on them? Do you just take them in and kind of pontificate on them? Like, 
what do you do when you see those signals besides the ones that you mentioned get yeah it really it really just depends and most of them that i mentioned you see were focused on humanity like i'm so big on that connectedness to humanity i feel like all of us are connected even the individuals that have a degree of hate and racism and all of that other stuff we are all connected like all of us and so i don't know if i necessarily move on the signal because sometimes i have to process it i said yeah i come in love and anybody who's seen me speak they know that i say the two most powerful words in our lexicon are love and process so oftentimes jason i have to process the signal before i respond before i act on it before i bake it into a presentation before I incorporate it into a mandate with a, a client engagement. So I don't always move immediately. I, I, I can't lie and say that. Sometimes I have to sit with it to make sure that I'm moving in the right direction. No, I like that a lot. Thank you for being here, buddy. Love you. Yeah. Right, love, love you guys back. Have a good session today. I'm here. I'm watching all hours. Don't drive too, don't drive too fast. I'm, no, I'm in my office, man. I'm sitting here chilling with you all for the next hour. Okay. Love cool. it. So, signals, 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 signals. Um, You and I were talking yesterday about what should we talk about? And I was like, there's signals everywhere. And there's so many people that are thinking about these signals and bringing them up. And no matter whether I'm at a high school football game or whether I'm, you know, just sitting in a bar, sounds funny, but, or whether I'm, uh, you know, out to dinner with friends, people are like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What does this mean? What does this mean? What are gas prices going up mean? What do you think the fact is that uh, the coffee shops only open one shift now a day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's so, so fascinating to me to think about these signals. And just before I turn it over to you, I, I, we almost, we jumped right into the tournament. We forgot to ask the most important question. Uh, How are you? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'd love to get everyone on the line. We're up to 1,551. Wow. Amazing. Um, and love to uh, just ask how you are. For those of you new here, we do this every Friday and we just say, how are you? Green, yellow, or red? Green, you're feeling great today. Yellow, uh, so-so. Red, not you know, not in a great place. Um, so appreciate your uh, your feedback. We've got some, we've got some greens. We've got a yellow. Um, have you ever heard of a band called the Psychedelic, um, What's it called? Psychedelic furs or something like that? Have you ever heard of this thing? Sounds like my wardrobe. What? (laughs) (laughs) Psychedelic furs? (laughs) No, I think it's psychedelic furs or something like that. I have not. We have a colleague that's going to see the psychedelic furs this weekend. Who? I need to talk to this. I... Oh, she. I think she just told you. Oh, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't gonna call it out, but I just. I've never heard of it. Like psychedelic furs. Like I have to figure out what they, what that song is, what their songs are. Well, it's sort of like last week when we had happy hour with with our our client with with Stacy. I also heard about a new band that I apparently am supposed to know about and I had never heard of. <laughs> now I'm, I'm going to forget. Oh, yeah. the name. What was that band? <laughs> I forgot the name of that band. It's probably still in my Spotify search history. <clears throat> huh. G-Love. Oh, they, they, they wrote the Pretty in Pink song. 
Who did? Oh, really? Okay, who in the community knows G-Love and Special Sauce? Please tell me I'm not the only person who doesn't know G-Love and Special Sauce. <laughs> That's the psychedelic furs. Okay, if they wrote music for 80 for 80s movies, then they're for sure I know them. <laughs> Listen to that. You know this song, right? Yeah. G Love, look at all these people know G Love. I am so behind. Bob goes, of course. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> okay, we're way off track here. Um, anyway, I hope that you know. We have a lot of green in here, which I'm loving. Yes, exactly. Um, wow. Yeah, so this Andy just said, love my way. Do you know love my way? Nope. You know that song, don't you? Yes. That's love my way. Really? That's the second yeah, one of these people who don't know the name. I couldn't tell you the name of an actor or a song or who wrote what. I'll screw up every lyric. I'm the person that goes, you know, that one movie with the guy who did the thing who was called like what? I, like I can't name anything. <laughs> okay, signals. You need rodeo clowns. Okay. You need to pay more attention to music, Jess. <laughs> I live. I wake up and turn on music. I just can't tell you the name of anything. <laughs> so signals, signals. Thank, yeah. I'm glad that there's a lot of greens. By the way. I know. I guess I do love it. Uh, Katie just saw them last weekend at the daughter's wow. college parents weekend. So, yeah. I love it. I think you're just out of it. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the um, you know, when we think about signals, um, Jess and I were having these conversations about things that we're seeing, uh, things related to the supply chain, things related to talent shortages, things mm -hmm. related to, as Torin mentioned, um, ongoing diversity and inclusion issues. And what we wanted to do for today is kind of open up the floor to you in the chat. So loosen up your fingers. And if anyone wants to come on live, love that as well. But what are signals that you see? What are any signals that you see that you somehow tie back into, wow, there's something interesting going on here? Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's a fascinating way for um, brains to work is to actually be able to say, wow, the fact that this coffee shop's only open one shift a day, five days a week, that's telling me something. Uh, the fact that 17 year olds don't wanna work right now is telling me something. You know, the fact that we had more quits, quote unquote, in August um, is telling me something. Uh, Steve uh, just said tough week in the community with a mass shooting on West 7th Street that's another example of a signal um that it's a you know it's a not a not, i don't want to get i don't want to downplay it steve but i mean so think about these things i'd love to see what signals you guys are seeing besides the whole psychedelic first thing um but you know people seem quicker to anger at other humans i think it's a mm. very interesting call out from a signal um Bob just said the key is identifying signals and seeing how they relate to each other to drive change. It's not individual trends, but the confluence of trends that can amplify, yeah. beautifully said, Bob, uh, action and direction. Um, wow, that's interesting. A family member's flight delayed because they didn't have a flight attendant. Uh, aggressive behavior on airplanes. 
Hmm. It's always fascinating to me. So just what a signal, any signals that you've seen? Because it's always fascinating to hear other people's signals because you always have this talk track in your brain. But in your thought. Hmm. Sarah just called out one of your LinkedIn posts here, it looks like. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The current level of participation by women in the workforce is the same as 1988. That's how much we've backslid. The level of participation of women in the workplace. That's millions of women who have dropped out of the bottom of the labor force. Talk about signals. So does the great resignation surprise me? No, absolutely not. The pandemic, COVID is not the reason. It is not the reason people aren't going back to jobs or they're quitting jobs. It's so not- So you and I kind of had a healthy debate on this over yeah. the last week. Um, well, basically, I had a huge debate with someone on Twitter, weirdly enough, which I don't usually debate on, where someone said that, you know, there's a lot of new HR tech because of COVID. And I was like, it's not because of HR tech or the spending of HR tech is up because of COVID. The spending of HR tech is not up because of COVID. The spending is up because of digital transformation. Yeah. Which has become more important with things like COVID. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so that, that women's stat, which is not just yeah. a stat, it's reality, is a signal. Like, so actions that organizations should take based on that signal in your mind. It's not even a signal. It's it's sort of like, like COVID was, <laughs> it's, it's not the reason people aren't taking jobs or they're quitting jobs. They're not afraid of getting COVID, so they're not going to work in retail. It's not the reason for these things. COVID was permission to do what people wanted to do anyway. If people didn't want that job, if that job didn't pay enough, if your culture sucked, if you didn't pay enough to that demographic, if this underrepresented group didn't feel like that was a place where they could belong and contribute value in a, in a meaningful workplace, if I don't know how to connect my purpose to your purpose, so I don't really, like, is, COVID was permission to give the middle finger to what needed the middle finger anyway. Like shit was broken everywhere. Work systems were broken. Technology wasn't working. We weren't paying people enough. We, we haven't solved pay equity issues. There's all kinds of stuff that already didn't work, that already wasn't good enough. And we weren't paying attention to enough signals before. And something needed to finally break it. We needed a tipping point. We needed the whole house of cards to fall down to say, oh, I guess we should have paid attention to more signals. So COVID was permission to say, kind of had enough, had enough. This doesn't work for me anymore. And I don't think we had permission to say that truly before. This doesn't work for me anymore. Maybe that seemed a little too um, self-serving but guess what? People are self-serving right now when it comes to work. So you better talk to them like humans, treat them like humans, pay them fairly, provide adequate benefits, and figure out what they work for. What's their why? And if that doesn't connect to your organizational purpose, they don't have time for you. So completely agree. And there's, there's some really interesting comments here. Nancy said, are signals to you like particles that come together to make a wave? Beautifully said, Nancy. I love the way you yeah. asked that question. Um, 
And to me, there are signals that don't make waves and there are signals that do come together to make waves. And what's really important is that we look at the signals and try to piece them together, particles together, in order which ones do make waves and which ones don't. Steve called out labor's rising up to a demand to demand a share of in corporate success. Lots of strikes, like huge issue. So yeah. that's an example of a particle coming together to make a wave. Uh, Tom said, my new kitchen appliances are out five to six months. Now, Jess, you know my take on that uh, based on our conversation yesterday, but that's another particle that's part of, to, to me, the same wave. But at the same time, I had a fascinating discussion with some folks in India who said, it has always taken us five to six months to get kitchen appliances. Mm. I don't know what you're bitching about. Uh, like, you know, or... I don't know if you've seen the articles about the grocery stores where people are like, the grocery stores, only half the shelves are filled. I had a great conversation with a client in Greece who said, our grocery stores always only have half the shelves filled. So Tracy, oh no, it took over a year to buy our sectional. <laughs> and Tracy, I'm not picking on you, but we are so used to everything just being right there for us. We're mm -hmm. used to the coffee shop having three shifts of fully staffed people all the time. We're used to gas just being there. We're used to, uh, oh, I need a sectional? I'll go buy a sectional. And mm -hmm. what we're seeing now is we're seeing this massive kind of adjustment. And <laughs> Aubrey yeah. said first world problems and so did Bob. And Jess, you know, that's what I say too. Mm -hmm. I, I, Jason, wonder if there's a pivot going on if these are signals meaning that hey things might never be that same way again yes right or is it just oh you know because i mean there's a lot of people that are still like hey when are we getting back together when's this gonna be back to normal you know mm -hmm. when's, when are we gonna be able to go buy a refrigerator and have it delivered the same day yeah you know and and paradigm shift abani exactly or is this really a paradigm shift where i mean these this labor shortage which is a massive problem you know the fact that i took alex my 14 year old to try to get a chipotle the other night and there was one person working the register making the food and cooking the food okay and you know i was like are you, are you trying to hire people like here we're, we're trying we haven't been able to hire people for three weeks you know and what's really interesting about that is that's just the way it's going to be is there going to be a big consolidation? Are prices going to go up because we're going to have to raise prices in order to rate, excuse me, raise rates in order to get people to work? So, Nancy, what are we meant to learn from these signals? Mm -hmm. That's exactly this conversation. Yeah. Exactly what these conversations. Uh, look at gas stations shut down because no one to work night shifts is common in Denver right now. Yeah. So I'd love, do you guys think that's just the way it's going to be? And we all of a sudden we're going to remember 2020 and 2021 as the time that this period of abundance shifted to an a period to a period of, you know, hey, it's not, it might not be as easy to get a sectional or a couch or whatever it is because I, you know, as you know, we've been doing this show, Jess, from the time that the pandemic started, and this, you know, this is an this is another big portion of the massive shift of work in 2021 is what we're dealing with right now, which is the labor component. Uh, I don't think that it's going to change overnight where, you know, by November or by December, 
all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh, we're back to normal. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where the workers are going to come from to do that. Well, that's just it. This period of abundance, like all of that abundance you just described and this instant gratification and five baristas fighting over who's going to make my drink because I'm the only customer in the store, like buy, like that's gone. That period of abundance relies on people in abundance and people are not in abundance right now. The five million women who dropped out of the workforce, you can't have full economic recovery without five million workers that you used to have. The math doesn't work. You can't have what you had with fewer people to produce it. And those women aren't coming back because they're making different choices. They're making choices that work for themselves, that work for their families, that work for their home fronts. Same with everybody else who's not coming back to part-time hourly work that they didn't like before anyway. They're working for themselves or they're working for somebody else who's giving them better benefits. We did research. Kristen knows this better than anyone. We did research on drivers and drainers of work. We still have basic drainers. The number one things that motivate, inspire, or dry, or, or do the, you know, the opposite that drain me or give me angst and concern is job security, fair pay, good benefits. Like we're still not meeting baseline needs of 100% of our workforce. If you're not meeting baseline needs, of 100% of your workforce, they're gonna go get their baseline needs met somewhere else. They're gonna figure it out. Um, and so this abundance you know, thing, it, it, people are deciding that they're not available for that. They're, they're, not, they're not gonna sign up for something that doesn't work for them anymore, which is great. It's about time because I think we missed a whole lot of signals that got us to this point. So look what Ray just said. Because I think it's interesting. Well, actually, first of all, I want to, Nancy, consumerism, consumerism is dying so humanism can be birthed, like t-shirt, you yeah. know, hashtag t-shirt. Like, love that, Nancy. Thank you for sharing the caring, caring economy. Ray just said labor challenges will definitely drive more automation. Um, you know, when we think through that, you know, heard that Wendy's is working with Google to test AI and image technology to anticipate what a person is going to order and immediately communicate to cook, which also might be robotic by passing the order taker. Like to me that, I mean, interesting yet. Oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, will Wendy's survive long enough to do that is an interesting question. Um, Dorothy, I can't wait to have to have that discussion in a second. Mm -hmm. you, just said, you think the U.S. is different to Europe. Um, Albany values has changed. Values have changed, excuse me, and that is what motivates people. Um, uh, there's an article there. I think that that the, the global supply chain is a mess. What does that mean for you? It's a th yeah. thank you for sharing that. Um, do any of do any really want to do the task job that AI can do? Uh, how many places are moving towards counter service with self service ordering? All, I mean, yeah. we talked about that yesterday, Jess. We're like, maybe you won't go to a store and actually be able to walk around and just have all the shelves picked up, you know, yeah. pick, to pick from. You might actually say, "Hey, I'm here to get so and so," and that's the only way to do it. Uh, labor shortage will drive automation, which will drop labor demand. Yes but that's going to take time, right? Mm -hmm. um, Dorothy said, do you think the U.S. is different than Europe? Uh, I'm going to say something, and I'll probably, someone's probably not going to like it, but I'm going to say it anyway. 
Um, I think that the U.S. is spoiled compared to Europe. Um, I think that we in the U.S. got focused on growth very fast. We got focused on abundance. We got focused on being spoiled. We got focused on getting everything we wanted, uh, you know, being the quote unquote, what we thought was the best in the world at everything. And all of a sudden now that it's not that way, mm -hmm. um, then all of a sudden we're like, huh, what's going on? And I think Europe is more, I, I think people in Europe are more realistic. Uh, you know, when I go to Europe and I'm like, well, where's the bus? They're like, it'll be here in the next hour. I'm like, hour? They're like, yeah, it's an, it comes in an hour. Right. Uh, sometime in the next hour. I was like, okay. Uh, and I'm not, that's not, I'm not just characterizing. I'm not trying to, to, to I know I'm painting a broad picture here, but I, I think I just noticed that people in Europe are, have more patience. They have more love. They have more empathy to what's going on um, compared to what we do here in the U.S. Do you want to add anything to that, Jess? I'd love actually I'd love Dorothy's comments on that also, but yes, and Trace. So okay, oh, this is so interesting because I think we did. Yes, we. And don't forget Brian's comment here. I know I this is so good. I think unpack we, somehow that growth and that excess and that abundance and everything that you just described. We kind of did it on the backs of humans. And to Tracy's point, is that a good thing? Are we giving people employment and? opportunity and, uh, and, you know, reducing world poverty by doing this? I, I'm not sure. Or, or did we actually build something that can't possibly be sustained? We're seeing it break right now. It can't possibly be sustained on the backs of human labor. And so are we really just forcing what's meant to be automated? What should always have been automated? Shouldn't a machine do that? so that those humans can be gainfully employed in more meaningful ways? Or does that create other problems? I'm not sure. I'm not an economist. Um, it's a really interesting conundrum. So Dorothy, your comment that you just made there on better benefits in the EU for women, especially, um, you know, I, I think that that there's, a, you know, we have a lot of, and this is going to go back a little to Brian's point. I, I, I can't, I'm going to talk about Brian's point in a second, um, I think. But, you know, the, I mean, the way that we work in the U.S. from a healthcare standpoint, from a benefit standpoint, from a, how much time we give people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, based on how unions worked here in the U.S. from a long standpoint, you know, it, we're, still, we're still early, to be honest with you, in that change process. Um, and, you know, what the government has done, you know, in some of these areas, and I don't want to, Brian, get into too quote unquote politics too much, but, you know, unnecessary regulations. Um, there's a lot of that stuff that I completely agree with. Free market economy and capitalism with competition will provide opportunities and higher wages. I think it will. I completely do. But I also think that we're in, this is the signals you guys that we wanted this all to be about. Like mm -hmm. this stuff isn't going to change overnight. And the question is, is what, how do we structure? We have, I mean, Look at Apple and the new iPhone release schedule. Oh, poor Albany. I'm just kidding. Um, but just, just uh, yeah. I can't get my iPhone 13 compared to my iPhone 12, which has a little bit better camera, which is already a 19,000% better camera than what I had three years ago. Last year. Yeah. 
but yes, I mean, Albany, it's a great example. Um, things that were a pain in the butt and a waste of time to begin with, completely agree. Um, you know, reading yes, through this, I don't want to overgeneralize at all, but I would suggest that there's a difference balance of me versus we culturally in the U.S. compared to other parts of the world. Beautifully said. You know, beautifully said, James. Yes. Yes, Brian. Oh, my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. Being compensated fairly and equitably is essential. And I think, okay, so there's this whole... I haven't even thought enough about this to put words to this, but there is a dignity that comes with work. People want to do meaningful work and be recognized and rewarded fairly for that. There's pride, dignity. There's, I mean, think about the innovation and the creativity and the, like when you're doing work that is, yes, there is a dignity to that. Um, and so this whole, like what we're talking about with automation and, and maybe we're forcing some automation that, you know, was 20, 30 years behind anyway. Uh, what, what does that do for, so what will humans do instead? I, I hope they'll, they'll have an opportunity, even more opportunity to do meaningful, dignified, you know, valuable, value driving work. Um, I don't think we're removing that opportunity at all. I hope we're creating space for it. Nancy said, I wonder if farmers said that what that what they do is work or if it was a lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. This whole notion of work. So if this, uh, is, a, if this is a piece of a journey to another new, then we should not also look for the, should we not also look for the signals that are making the journey value as well? Completely agree. Yeah. Um, U.S. childcare spend is very low. <laughs> yeah, Dorothy. Yes, we know that. Um, yeah. So there, there are differences. There are geographic differences. But I think what's really interesting, specifically to me, um, Bob, there's plenty of valuable, meaningful work for humans to do, et cetera. Et cetera. I completely agree with that. Yeah. What's interesting to me is what what do you what do you all think is going to happen to wages? What do you all think is going to happen to wages? Um, so just as a group, let's just do some group signal checking here. Um, do you think wages are going to go up? Do you think wages are going to stay the same? Do you think places are just going to close? Do you think prices are going to go up? What do you think is going to happen to wages? And, you know, basically this whole hour, let's just take the hourly workforce or deskless workforce right now and love to love to see your thoughts. Um, Brooke, just as I'm waiting for people to type in here, um, you know, I'm not sure if older or younger populations are more at risk. In some ways I see younger people being authentic, asking for help, honest about mental health struggles, et cetera, not wanting to show weakness. Um, James, signals are data, not directives. We have agency and choice yet. Pendulum swing places will close, job supply will go down, so orgs will have better hand and pay less. That's what I didn't want to hear, actually, Navani. Um, Bryce, wages will go up, but if everything goes up, then the value of wage increase will not be the same in the absolute increase. Holly, wages will increase. I see wages going up in the service industry, 15 to $18. Wages will increase. Wages are going to go up, but so is the cost of goods. Kelly, I think that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. uh, will go up because automation takes over repetitive tasks and employees do more value-added work. Both will likely go up. 
So as an employee, as an, as a company, you know, what are you doing to start to take these signals into account? Are you starting to say, Hey, we better change our comp plans. We better budget differently. We better change the way we recruit. I find it absolutely fascinating. And Jesse, you probably know what I'm going to say. The number of people that are focusing on talent acquisition here um, as the solution to all of this. Uh, I, I just think it's fascinating. And not that I don't believe in talent acquisition and finding better ways to recruit. But I also believe that if all we're doing is recruiting and we're still offering the same quote unquote employee experience, that we're wasting a lot of good money on just recruiting for people that are just going to come in and leave. Okay. I've been saying this for 10 years, Jason. Retention is recruiting too. Retention is recruiting too. Yes, Sarah. Stop disrespecting the people you have in your organization. Elevate them, promote them, develop them, give them the, all that money you're throwing at talent acquisition, invest in the talent you have. Not that you can't, not that you have to or, or should or will stop recruiting, but if you keep throwing all this tech and budget and resources and recruiter headcount at finding new people, and to your point, you haven't changed a single thing about the way you develop talent internally and strive to keep them. If you kept courting your own people the way you woo external talent, you wouldn't have the problem you're having right now. Retention is recruiting. So look at some of the comments. I'm so, I love this so much. Like the time's flying and I'm like, so is there ever really going to be a now of work or when we'll be left with only a then of work? Uh, it's fascinating. Oh, we have some philosophers in here. I know there are, there's some really deep people, but I mean, I, that, that's why I think the now of work is such an agile spot right now. That to mm -hmm. think about the future of work is dangerous. It's really, really dangerous to be able to predict. Um, yeah. Janae. I respectfully, I think business isn't in enough pain yet. There doesn't seem to be enough emphasis on the culture that keeps people. Yeah. And Janae, I, I agree, but I also think that's moving really mega fast. Um, I've seen it move really, really fast. It's going to be different by industry, but I've talked to more business leaders in the last three months that are feeling pain that they've never felt before. Um, and I honestly, and I don't know this, because I signals again, but I think that the next three months are going to be even harder and they're going to be, there is going to be more of an emphasis on culture. One other thing I'm just going to say, Janae, that uh, along your point that I think is really important is I don't respectfully, Janae, I don't see enough HR people stepping up saying they can help with this. Mm-hmm. So while I think business isn't in enough pain yet to deal with culture, I don't see enough HR people stepping up saying, hey, we're actually going to focus on talent first and our culture and our value proposition instead of saying, oh, we need to recruit better. We need talent acquisition tools, blah, 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 blah. I mean, yeah. I think that as long as we have these silos within HR, I'm not sure that, that people are going to see what you're saying. Janae about culture. Uh, to Holly's point, so Holly, I won't name names, but I used to run <laughs> talent acquisition inside a Fortune 5 company, Fortune 5. And we have routinely, 
routinely had people leave and come back because they could increase their salary faster by boomeranging than they could by climbing the grades, the pay grades. Talk about signals. <laughs> Talk about paying attention to the people you have already inside the organization and making sure you're doing everything to keep them and retain them and treat them well and properly. The cost of keeping people is much cheaper than the, I don't even know what the current number is. It used to be $4,000 cost per hire uh, to go get somebody new and to probably pay them. And what's happening right now in the talent market, it's just like a hot real estate market. Talent isn't staying on the market long. They're getting multiple offers and I guarantee you're paying over list price. Talent is very expensive right now. And so everybody's using technology and, oh my gosh, we need bots, we need AI, we need to hire more recruiters, we need all of this technology to get us to talent faster. Speed to talent is, Kristen saw this at HR Tech, I think you did too, Jason. Everybody is, is buying new tech to solve speed to talent. But unless, consider investing in the wellness and the wholeness and the experience of your people as another solution to the great resignation. So Karen and Janae, I'm just gonna say something. And once again, it's a, a uh, it, we also just, the only way to get ahead is to stop. I know that sounds weird, but we do a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be done. So when you say, uh, Karen, HR people are buried with transformation efforts and complex annual processes. Like, just stop that. I know that's, I mean, I'm totally know it's hard. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that's really easy to do what I'm saying, but we have to, in order to move forward, eventually we have to stop doing some stuff. There's, yeah. there's no way to keep doing what we're doing and change at the same time. Janae said, HR is tired. Dude, HR, where everyone's freaking tired, but we have to stop doing some of the stuff that's made us tired. And I mean, I, Je Jess was on the phone with me just a second ago where I was uh, talking to someone who just said, HR has to work this weekend to verify 40,000 vaccine cards. My God, <laughs> like totally get the pain yeah. that goes along with that. But there are a bunch, and, and by the way, that is a, I'm, I'm just going to be really weird about something. That's a new thing that's a new compliance requirement but guess mm -hmm. what because i'm doing that there's probably a bunch of old stuff that doesn't matter anymore yeah. not just because of that but if we prioritize maybe it doesn't matter if i do x y and z so like i don't want to get too much on this course or on this this train but like if we don't stop some of the stuff like i just talked to someone else this another customer earlier this week that said you know, that we're just rolling out our annual engagement survey for the first time. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, but like, it's taken us six months and we're just about to roll out our, enga our enga engagement survey for the first time. Like, you've spent six months getting ready to roll out an annual engagement survey when it's already dead? <laughs> it's 20 years. <laughs> and, and Dorothy, what you just said, the business has to care. So all of this stuff that we do for HR, HR technology for HR's sake, or, hey, we're gonna spend all this time automating HR processes that no one actually cares about. That's the biggest waste of time and money 
in a world where there's not enough resource for us. Um, Tracy said they need to make a list of things they do and delete any of those things that are not value added. And mm -hmm. Tracy, I'm just going to add, look in the mirror and don't answer that question, does it add value to me? Look through the window and say, does it add value to the business? And that might mean you actually have to get out of HR and talk to the business. Not about what HR can do for them, but where their opportunities are. <laughs> Katie, murder board. If you can't explain the value, it's gone. Uh, yes, <laughs> leave ego at the door. Um, what has the ex what has set expectation that successful change can occur? I was with another organization earlier this week that was implementing, uh, and I say implementing, not deploying, a video interviewing tool. Mm -hmm. And someone was like, what's wrong with Zoom? Like, no, HR said we have to do it in this video interviewing tool. And nothing against video interviewing tools at all. But to the business who just said, this is another reason why HR wastes money. We're already doing video interviews in Zoom. Now mm -hmm. they're going to tell us we have to do it in this new tool that they just spent this money on. Like there is actually a reason that they switched platforms to go to a platform to help managers make decisions better. Right. But the way that it was positioned is, hey, you have to use this new video tool instead of Zoom or FaceTime, as one manager said to me. And if we think about that, that's where we lose cred as HR people by being like, okay, let's just roll out this new thing. Is a manager going to see value in that unless you actually do a good job of explaining? No. Uh, Tracy, stop buying stuff. Stuff isn't going to fix it. Um, I'm glad that we have murder boards being created. <laughs> uh, duplicative efforts are killing my organization. That's, that's happening all over the place. And a lot of those duplicative yeah. efforts are just because we do a terrible job of communication and program management within organizations. Um, what an amazing time for, for companies to be thankful for their workforce and treat them as such. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, I mean, some of you heard my tirade a few weeks ago that I'm embarrassed about when I said that I was losing patience, but you know, the, the number of people that are trying to make business cases right now that they say that they're, and Jess, you know, this, we were on two webinars this week where people, the number one, go ahead, Jess. You tell them the number one question that people asked on these webinars. Well, there were, we get several number one questions. Are you talking about the, the role and future of HR? Or I'm how to get... How do you prove value to our, is, our CEO doesn't care about HR. Our CEO mm -hmm. doesn't care about people. So talk about signals. When people ask me, uh, or when we attend, when we do these webinars, or when people ask me, what's the most common question we get or we hear? That's a huge signal, right? We get asked the same question, probably three questions, over and over and over and over. So if we're paying attention to signals, Jason, it seems the future of the HR function is in jeopardy. Because I can't tell you how many times I get asked, what, what is the future of the function? Is it really human resources anymore? Is it HR tech and people experience and, you know, is it other things? Is it so how many times do we have to get asked about what should HR actually look like 
as a function in the organization. Yeah, and the HR should look what like a huge it. signal. <laughs> yeah, a huge signal. But the, the other thing to me is that what do we have to do to prove to our leaders that this matters? Right. That's the shit. Sorry. That's the <laughs> stuff that like freaks me out. Right. Because the leaders, they're doing the same. They're, doing, they're, they're trying to get coffee. They're trying to get PlayStations. They're trying to get the new iPhone. They're trying, they're hearing that people are leaving most quits ever. Like, what do we need to do to make leaders care? Show them how we can help. Because a lot of leaders don't know what HR is capable of doing to help because we've never shown them. I, 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 I don't want to get so much. It, why does it fall on HR? Brooke, because HR has the word human in it. Yeah. Brooke, HR has the word human in it, people. And when we're dealing with a people issue or people crisis, that's why it falls on HR. And guess what? It should fall on HR. And it should fall on HR to get its act turned around, to focus on doing the questions and solving the problems that the business needs to be solved. Uh, Albany, a lot of leaders aren't great problem solvers either. No, I mean, dude, I'm a leader. Jess is a leader. I, both of us would probably say we're not great problem solvers alone. We're problem solvers because we bring together people of multiple disciplines, of diverse mm -hmm. backgrounds, diverse interests to solve problems. Okay. One of the things that HR needs to be able to do is to be able to come to the table not with counting people, you guys heard me say this way too much, but making people count. What do I do to show people? And I, Brooke, I totally agree. It's not just HR's fault and it's not just HR's responsibility, but in this particular case, because it's a human issue, it's HR's golden opportunity. If HR just sits there and does nothing, like, I mean, back to this HR having a seat at the table thing, Rhonda, like if HR can't get a seat at the table right freaking now, like you might as well give up. I mean, if you, okay. So if we go back to, I know we're Sorry. <laughs> the human function, the human function, the human function, the original function of HR, we called it, we hate the term HR, right? We hate human resources and human capital and human capital management, but that's why the function exists. If you look at the infrastructure of your organization, the systems that make your, your enterprise go round, people is one of them. So to use a different analogy, if, you're, if, if the IT infrastructure, if you went into complete system failure, if you're Facebook and you have an outage <laughs> and, you're and, you, and you go into complete system failure, guess whose throat there is to choke? IT, you own systems. You own the technology infrastructure and we're down. We are in system failure. This is a massive system outage. That's what's happening right now with people and who owns people capital in your company. You're in system failure. We're in a complete system failure. And so yes, HR, you are accountable. And if you're not presenting yeah, what happens, solutions what happens to when the, problems. <laughs> what happens when there's a system failure in organizations, a true system failure. What happens? What does IT do? Communicates and get the shit kick out of them. Exactly. 
what happens in HR when there's a human failure? What happens in business when there's an HR failure or a people failure? Excuse me. HR needs to, Heather just said it well, make yourself visible and lead. Make yeah. your own seat at the table. Andy just said it's time for HR to seize the day. Bryce, how do we convince leaders that HR is as valuable to simple existence life as their cell phone? I, I mean, do people matter to your business, Bryce? Right. If people matter to your business, uh, I think you do. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you to turn it off for 10 seconds and reboot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that, it, everyone is looking for direction HR should be leading. I think, Albany, you just said it really, really well. So, yeah. you guys, I just, the reason we wanted to have this conversation was to talk about all of the signals. And signals create an opportunity. Signals always create opportunity. And just like you all are saying here, what we see way too often is HR waiting. HR waiting for someone to tell them what to do. And in most organizations, I can tell you that HR has, people have never seen what HR can do. This might be one of our biggest people crises ever. Yeah. And Steve, you just said it also really well. We may own the function that deals with our people, but the key is to get our leaders to own their role as leaders, which by definition is a people or HR function. Yeah, I mean, great, great conversation, Jess. Thank you for uh, allowing me to uh, talk about this. And I would love it if you guys, you know, one of the things that we'll do, on, you know, on a weekly basis is look at, just open your eyes and look for signals. I know you see them all, but look for signals, both inside your organization as well as outside the organization. And don't just look, but what action can you take based on the signal? I love the it. last thing I have to say, Jess, is just thank you for Ryan uh, co-hosting for me last week. I apologize that I couldn't be here. Um, made a quick appearance, but really, really appreciate Ryan Melkis from LeapGen co-hosting with me. Yeah, that was fun. And, and fun. our guys from uh, NASCAR, which I forgot to check how the NASCAR team did, actually, how their cars did. But nice. um, thank you for them for being here as well. Um, Jess, anything before we sign off? Well, you, now that you reminded me, I mean, I love I, I love Sean and Mike and, and everything they do through deck leadership. If you didn't catch that session, you can see any playback, by the way, at the top of your Crowdcast window. Go back and watch that session. And Mike Metcalf said, if you are 1%, if you are 99% known, you are unknown. I love that. What a powerful quote. What an amazing, amazing quote. Um, yeah, thank you to this community. We just keep growing by leaps and bounds every single week. Thank you for showing up the way you the way you do. I, I feel like this is where we practice <laughs> what it's like to show up fully, authentically, in human, meaningful ways. This is how it should be at work. This is how the work how your workplace should feel. And I feel like this is where we come to practice with each other and to lead by example. So thank you for doing that as always. So thank you guys so much. Uh, love everyone. See you next week.